The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Great way to start the football game for Arizona. Three and out, this crowd is in a frenzy. Number 19 is standing at his own 35-yard line to get this punt from Ryan Donahue. He's averaging almost 48 yards per punt so far in this early young season. Touchdown for the Arizona Wildcats. David Douglas, the roommate of Nick Foles. Third down, you need a play? Go to your roommate. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the new football show from Hawkeye's Mike. The Iowa-Arizona game highlights are courtesy of ESPN with Mark Jones and Bob Davies. A very nice job calling that game. These guys are both good and work well together. We very much appreciate it and thank them. These football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And by Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook for all your investment needs. First and ten, Reisner in motion. Trevin Wade. Excellent drive by Iowa. Should have been a completion. The ball bounces off of Marvin McNutt's hands. On this week's show, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and the Reporters' Roundtable segment featuring Hawk Central's Pat Hardy. Hawkeye Insider publisher Rob Howe is still off this week as the new baby thing took a little longer than expected, but all is well and the Howes have a beautiful new baby daughter. You'll hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Ball State's Stan Parrish will review the Iowa-Arizona game, as painful as that may be, and we'll take a look at the Big Ten Conference. We'll also preview Iowa Ball State. And during the course of the season, we hope to hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments by calling 866-74-HAWKS. This is Lon from Cedar Rapids. Just wanted to let you all know that I love the podcast. Been listening to Hawkeye's Mike now for uh, last year and this year. Very professionally done. Appreciate all the uh, the fun stuff, the music, the uh, movie clips, and just all the informative information that you give different spots, uh, the variation. I look forward to it each week. I tell other folks about it. Appreciate very much that you do this and provide it to us for free. So keep up the good work and go Hawks. Right now, third and goal. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. Hampton with the catch. And that's the first touchdown that Arizona's defense has allowed all season. Well, nobody feels worse than Nick Grigsby. He coughed that football up, but an excellent drive by Ricky Stanzi in this Iowa offense. And you can see how much Iowa missed Joel Hampton last year, despite winning 11 football games. If it wasn't disaster in the desert, it was certainly disappointment, and perhaps with respect to special teams play, disgust. Iowa made too many uncharacteristic mistakes, falling behind early, then staging a second-half rally, only to let Arizona mount a late fourth-quarter drive and escape with a 34-27 victory. Arizona's defense was tenacious and relentless all night long. Iowa never could get its running game untracked, ending up with only 29 yards on the ground by game's end. And despite dominating in the statistics and time of possession, the Hawks found themselves down 27-7 at the half. 
a blocked punt, a pick six, although that was clearly receiver Marvin McNutt's fault and not quarterback Ricky Stanzi's, and a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown put the Hawks in a huge hole. Adam Robinson followed two games with 100-plus yards rushing by completely disappearing in this one. An unbelievable five yards on 10 attempts. Jewel Hampton was marginally better until a season-ending knee injury. Iowa's offensive line, which looked pretty good in the first two games, gave up six sacks in this one, including four in the Hawks' last gasp drive at the end of the game. And while the defense only surrendered 13 points to a very potent and speedy Arizona offense, it crumbled against the Wildcats' game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. BCS title hopes probably dashed, top 10 rankings gone, at least for now, but the Big Ten may still be there for the taking, and Ferentz coached teams almost always improve as the season unfolds. Once again, though, the desert was not kind, and it was another failed trip west for the Hawks. It's so damn hot! Milk was a bad choice! HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Iowa's loss at Arizona gives the Wildcats a 7-6 advantage all-time in this series. Prior to this game, however, the Hawks had won four straight and 17 of their last 19 games overall. Iowa failed to score on its opening possession for the first time this season, and Arizona's blocked punt that ended the first series was the first blocked punt given up by the Hawks since the 2008 Pittsburgh game. Arizona did score on its first series following the blocked punt on a drive that started on the 8-yard line. It's the first time this year the Hawks have allowed their opponents to score on an opening drive and only the third time in the last 29 games. The Hawks' second quarter touchdown against the Wildcats was the first TD given up by Arizona this season. The 34 points scored by the Wildcats are the most allowed by the Hawks so far this year. Darrell Johnson Koulianos continued his climb up the all-time record charts with his seven receptions for 114 yards. He now has moved into third place in receiving yards and sixth in the number of receptions. And he's only the fourth Iowa receiver in history with more than 2,000 career receiving yards. Iowa's recovery of an Arizona fumble in the opening quarter was only the first fumble by an Iowa opponent this year. Linebacker Jeff Tarpinian caused that one, and he ended up with 12 tackles on the heels of 11 the previous week against Iowa State. Running back Jewel Hampton scored Iowa's only TD in the first half on a four-yard reception. It was Hampton's first receiving touchdown and only the second catch of his Iowa career. He ended the game with 30 yards and seven attempts before leaving leaving in the second half with a season-ending knee injury. Senior quarterback Ricky Stanzi completed 18 of 33 passes for 278 yards and three touchdowns. He moved into sixth place in career completions, attempts, and yardage, and is tied for fifth with touchdown passes. The Hawks are 20-5 when Stanzi starts. Key stats from this game, the Hawks had 19 first downs, so did Arizona. Net yards rushing, as we said, only 29 by the Hawks, compared to 63 for the Wildcats. Net yards passing, 278 for Iowa, 303 for Arizona. Total offense, 307 for the Hawks, 366 for the Wildcats. Iowa did not have any fumbles. Arizona had two, both recovered by Iowa. Possession time, 26-46 for Iowa, 32-08 for Arizona. But interestingly enough, in the first half, the Hawks had the ball, 18 minutes and 34 seconds compared to only 11.19 for Arizona. Just shows you how those stats can be misleading. Third down conversions, only 4 of 13 for Iowa, but only 5 of 13 for Arizona. Red zone scoring, 2 for 2 for the Hawks, 3 for 5 for Arizona. Sacks, Iowa had 2 sacks of Arizona quarterback Nick Foles, but the Hawks gave up 6 sacks to Arizona's defense. He's back deep. Taking out of his end zone. He's that's a big struggle. Touchdown! Iowa State had a 63 and a 37-yard kickoff return against you. You watched what Arizona State did today against Wisconsin. You see the speed of the packed in on the field in these special teams kicking situations. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 
24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Visit prefins.com. Time now to hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz provides an overview of the loss at Arizona. The game was disappointing, certainly. Uh, disappointing to lose any time you lose. That's tough. Uh, if there was a positive, we, you know, we fought back in the second half and gave ourselves a chance to win and, you know, couldn't quite get it done. So, you know, if there was a positive, that was it, certainly. You know, just looking at the loss, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but, you know, our special teams uh, leave a lot to be desired right now. And then, you know, anytime you give, give plays up that are unearned, what I would categorize as unearned, you know, it makes it really difficult to win against anybody and particularly against a team that's, uh, you know, favored to beat you. So, yeah, we wouldn't do ourselves any favor and we're going to have to work on that. Ferentz was asked why his team struggled to run against the Wildcats. Felt like we were kind of climbing a hill the whole night. And that's, you know, I've been in games like that before. We all have. It's football. And, uh, you know, if you want to go right to the start, I mean, they did what they do. They, they tried to take the run away. A lot of teams tried to do that against us. And, uh that's why some of the passing plays were working pretty well. And that's just kind of how football works. So, you know, you, you pick your spots. and you know, But when you're looking at a, a three-touchdown deficit in the first half, it just kind of you know, throws everything out, out of whack. So it's not much fun. For in general terms, you know, it was uh, hopefully this would be a learning experience. We were on the road, uh, you know, a tough environment and tough in, in given the circumstances that we put ourselves into. So, you know, it's just not much fun playing football in that situation. It's going to happen. And all that being said, you know, we, we came within uh, a blocked extra point or a tipped extra point from, from going ahead and taking the lead in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, it's not like we rolled over. I mean, the team team fought back, uh, did what they had to do, and then we just couldn't get it, get it uh, closed down. You know, the thing we have to do now is move forward and go into that last series. I, you know, if, if you want my opinion, the critical play in the last series, we, we gave up a sack on second and three or four where we had, you know, I think we were about, you know, to me, a second away from a 15-yard completion. You know, it was wide open. We couldn't get the ball out. And uh, so all of a sudden, you're, you know, 15 yards down the field moving and uh, maybe have a little bit of momentum as opposed to being third and whatever we were, 10 or 12. And now, same thing, now you let them just pin their ears and come after you. So, and not that we handled it well, that that play, but it's, it's you know, it's bigger than just, you know, like, okay, one series. I mean, you look at the details of things, and but that's how close football is, and that, that's why it's important, you know, you execute as well as you can on every play because the ramifications of a, a sack on second and three, it just really compounds a tough situation already. So... You know, if, if we're going to get over the hump, that's what we got to do. You know, we got to learn from those kind of things and, and be better and sharper next time. Kirk was asked about the excuses relating to the time of the game, the heat, the trip. Yeah, you, know, you give up a blocked punt, and that that involved, uh, you know, something we were prepared for. At least I, I would, you know, like to think going in the game that we had. Uh, I know we had practiced that, and we just didn't execute it. And then, you know, a kickoff uh, return, 100 yards, where the guy virtually goes untouched. And again, it was something I, I think we were prepared for. You know, we didn't get it done, didn't execute. Uh, uncontested interception for a touchdown. You know, that was a makeable play for us. We didn't execute again. So there's that's that's what I'm fixated on. And not like the weather time of day had anything to do with either of those plays, any of those plays. So, you know, if, if we're, if we're going to give up one of those plays in a game, uh, you know, you dig yourself a little bit of a hole. And then, you know, you give up three of them, and it really makes it tough. Barron's talks about being down down to Adam Robinson as the only experienced running back. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of teams that play primarily one tailback and go a whole season that way, and that's that's our plan for right now. You know, we're, we're planning on him being the, the primary ball carrier, and uh, like he was in week one, you know, we'll get him in and out of the game when, when appropriate and that type of thing. But, you know, it's not an unheard, unheard of uh, phenomena for one guy to, to be the, the featured ball carrier, and, uh, you know, it could be a lot worse. I mean, we could be sitting here without uh, not anybody with any experience, and Adam's Adam's done a great job, and we're all very pleased with what he did a year ago, more pleased with how he's playing right now. Ferentz was asked if the problems in the kickoff coverage are a matter of technique or a combination of factors. Both, both things, out of position and getting blocked, and that, that comes down to technique and, and just not understanding what your role is and then, then really doing it well. And, uh, you know, it's, some, it's like every, every part of football, you got to win your individual battle. So, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to have to harden up there. We're going to have to get it done. That, that's something traditionally we've been really good at, and uh, with the exception of 
uh, you know, our last game of the season in 08, which was just a, you know, travesty. I mean, we were terrible uh, up there in the Metrodome. But we came back in the bowl and, and, and did very well. Yeah, and that, that's what we got to do. We just got to either, you know, change our mindset or, or change some personnel and maybe a combination of both. We'll, we'll look at everything this week and try to get it straightened out. And Kirk was asked about the character of his team and its ability to bounce back. Time will tell, but it's, uh, you know, I'll be really disappointed and uh, if, if we don't. First of all, we need to if we're going to win this football game, which which would, you know, it would really be good if we did that. Uh, but but big picture-wise, again, it's just, you know, it's how you do things. And, uh, you know, again, I, I was really pleased and, and proud of the way the guys battled in that second half last uh, last week. And historically, for the most part, that, that's been something we've, we've been able to accomplish. And if we're going to have a good football team this year, you know, we're going to have to demonstrate that this week and the weeks forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm confident that they will. You know, I think we got a good group of guys here, and uh, but you know, we just we got to take care of every little detail to make sure we're giving ourselves a, a chance to be successful. Ball State Cardinals head coach Stan Parrish reviews his team's performance in last Saturday's game at Purdue. You know, it was a game we certainly uh, were very much in, and in fact, uh, in in control in the second half. Uh, we missed. We were down 14 nothing at halftime. We missed two field goals and an extra point, which is just totally unacceptable. And uh, we've got to get that fixed. We thought. Uh, the kicking game would be the strength of our team going in the season. Every phase of it has been good, ex- except for that. And we have uh, experienced veteran field goal kickers, but uh, you know I'm gonna uh, open the job up and see. We've got three guys. Yeah, see who can uh, kick the ball through the uprights. Uh, and we still we're 14 to six deep into the third quarter. Right at the end of the third quarter, one of our young corners, Jeff Garrett, went. For an interception, the ball went right through his hands, bounced to a Purdue player, ran down the sidelines for a touchdown. So that kind of uh, gave Purdue, you know, the edge they needed and kind of kind of hurt us. But um, you know, we made mistakes. Our freshman quarterback had a couple ill-advised throws, but you know, we were very, very much in the game and really felt we could win that football game against them. So. Um, I'm, disappointed uh, that we made the mistakes that we made when football is a game of mistakes and uh, those who eliminate them win those that don't struggle. Parrish talks some more about the Hawks and their game at Arizona. It would not shock me if Iowa ran the table and that game might cost them a chance to play. I think they're that talented and they have Ohio State and Iowa City and you know they've got a pretty favorable schedule. They had everything go wrong that could go wrong. Uh, They were behind 21 to 7 and uh, I think Arizona had 19 yards. They had a pick six, they had a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, everything that could go wrong went wrong for them. Arizona is a very, very good football team. They're both very, very, it's scary watching that film. The speed at which those two teams went at each other is scary watching that film. Parrish talks about Ball State's approach when playing schools from the major conferences. Well, we have, you know, we, we have to go into those venues and play our A game. Okay, and we don't have margin for error. Think back to some of our great efforts, uh, the Nebraska game. Uh, we we didn't p- quite play an A. We made a few mistakes and played an A minus, and we came up a little bit short. And we didn't play our A game. But if we could have played our A game, and that's no mistakes. Uh, you make the field goal. You know, all the things go right for you. I, I felt there was no question that that uh, we could play with them. Parrish was asked about the difficulty of playing back-to-back games against Big Ten teams. This is very difficult on our team, back-to-back trips like this to Big Ten play. And playing a team, I think, talent-wise, is a top-five team in the country. You, you, of course you worry about injuries, but you've got to play. You wear out against big folks. Uh, we got tired at the end of the Purdue game, uh, especially our defensive line. They're not real, real big, and they were fighting like the Dickens all day long in there and they were tired at the end of the game. So we, we need to rotate some guys through. But yet you need to rotate guys through that you think can win the game for you and not just rotate them through. And Parrish talks about how a team like Ball State matches up against a team like Iowa. I think the guy from uh, James Madison said it best last week. My first 11 against their first 11, it's a pretty darn good matchup. My first 65 against their 65 is no matchup. And as attrition takes place during the game, you know, uh, that, that, that enters into it. 
Occasionally you get a team that's strong enough that, that can go through that, um, but it's, it's, it's rare. I mean, you look at the good efforts by the teams in our league, Northern Illinois and Illinois, uh, last weekend, okay? Heck of an effort by them. Um, now they've got to turn around and, and go play Minnesota, I think it is. And sometimes the second week gets you, not the first week. There's a lot of us that are doing turnaround games uh, this week against uh, Big Ten teams. So we're not alone uh, in what we're doing. There's a whole lot of us. Our schedules are all very similar in the MAC, but they're 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 tough on the kids, you know. And everybody knows that. First and ten. There's the play fake. Open on the post. Six points. Touchdown, Johnson Julianos. And the gold and black are back. Play action pass. Vital part of Iowa's offense. No Iowa's, Iowa receiver drafted since 2001. I think Koulianis is going to break that streak for the Hawkeyes. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com, call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts. We welcome back former Hawkeye and NFL star Marv Cook for his weekly stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Sean Patchett visits with Marv. Well, a very disappointing loss in the desert. What frustrated you the most? Oh, I guess the fact that, you know, we could play so poorly and still should have won. Uh, probably, I mean, you shouldn't say should have won because we didn't, but uh, just the fact that we played so poorly and still had a chance to win, I guess, is what which tells me we have a good team. I mean, and obviously Arizona's pretty talented and gifted in some areas, so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's the, probably the most frustrating thing to me, and then just seeing the fact that Jewel Hampton's injured again is just gut-wrenching. Do any excuses cut it? How do you explain this continued futility out west? Well, you know, small mistakes become big mistakes, and we saw some signs that there were some, some issues with the coverage team, and, um, you know, but you don't want to see multiple breakdowns in the special teams area, so that's obviously something they're going to have to focus on and, and get cleaned up before we get into the Big Ten play. But, you know, those are the types of things that you just, you know, some of the other stuff, tip balls, all that stuff, you, you know, you just, you, it's hard to factor that stuff in. But when you just have breakdowns and, and missed assignments and, and bad, you know, lanes on kickoff coverage, that's, that's, those are problems. You mentioned in a second ago how poorly they played, yet they were still in it at the end. What are some other positives coming out of this game, both for the fans and the players? I think if we have to line up and throw it 50 times, Ricky Stanzi can do that. You know, I thought we missed some throws. Uh, you know, we had a few balls that were close to being caught. Um, you know, we, the, the, the biggest shocker for me was we couldn't run the football. And we, we did not have any success running the football. Now we fell behind early, but, you know, I just thought when we tried to run it, we couldn't run it effectively. Given the senior leadership on this team, do you think there will be any significant letdown? And how does a team that had thoughts of playing in the BCS title game get over a loss like that? It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's hard. And um, when you have high expectations like that, you, you, as, a, as a college football player, I think ultimately you got to have the desire to want to play in a championship game. You know, the good thing is, is, is the way it's always been in the Big Ten is we still are focused on winning the Big Ten championship. That's still out there. They can still do that. Um, and so that's got to be the focus now is let's, let's win a Big Ten championship to try to get to the Rose Bowl. Perhaps one of Ricky Sanzi's more disappointing games. Could you tell what was happening in terms of his apparent inability to throw the ball away instead of taking the sacks? Well, you know, there's a lot of rumors that he was sick. He was, wasn't feeling the best. I, and I, you know, I honestly didn't think he played all that poorly. I mean, he was just under duress, you know, for the most part. I mean, we're not a drop back team. We're, we're a play action team when you can move and create extra second or two in the, in the pocket, and we're not a team that's going to sit back in the pocket for, you know, four seconds and throw the ball, and, and I think, you know, it's a little bit out of our comfort zone, and, and, you know, they brought a little pressure, I mean, a lot of pressure, actually, and, and uh, you know, that's, we're doing things we normally don't do. Many are criticizing the offensive play calling, not helping curtail Arizona's eight, nine men in the box, and they're almost constant blitzing. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I think a lot of it was they were getting pressure when they did bring four. The defensive ends were a factor, you know, and that's where I think if you have two active defensive ends, you got to have a tight end in there chipping or a back in there chipping and helping out. You know, I know a lot of times we, uh, you know, we're looking for inside backers, but you got to help the tackles. If you have two good defensive ends that can bring heat, you got to help the tackles with a tight end or a back periodically. And, and uh, you know, I just thought, you know, they did bring pressure at times, uh, mugged up inside and, and caused us problems. But even still then, we had chances to get the ball out and we just, like I said, maybe the receivers just weren't finishing the top of the routes and getting open, but, you know, we took a lot of sacks. Last week you said not to get ahead of ourselves in how much the offensive line was progressing. Your thoughts on that now and their play in Tucson? Uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I said it because, you know, that's been the issue and, and, and I think that showed up uh, against some good athletes, some, some guys that were pretty athletic at Arizona up front. And, and, um, and, you know, I was shocked that Arizona actually ran the ball effectively against our D-line at times, you know, so... It, it is what it is. It's 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 a loss to a good team. You know they moved up to 12 or something in the rankings. So obviously there's some talent there. And but you know, like I said, ultimately it was a game that I think if we played 10 times, we win seven, if not eight. You know I think we we were the better team. It just didn't play out that way. You know, besides mostly double teaming Claiborne. What else was Arizona doing to try to negate the strength of Iowa's defensive line? Well, I think they hit it quick. You know, I mean, they, they, uh, it looked to me like the splits were decent size, and then they would, you know, they had some big old boys up front, and then the backs were hitting it pretty darn quick in there. They're pretty scatty and, and would get the ball going north and south. And, um, you know, and then they threw it enough to keep, keep us off guard, and they threw it quick enough. They threw the ball in a quick game enough to, to you know, not allow our pass rush to get in the mix and, and, and be a part of the quarterback. I mean, I think to the quarterback's credit, he probably threw it earlier than he wanted to so many times and took some incompletions when they would have been sacks, but, you know, it kept him in, in a second or third manageable situation. So it was a good game plan by Arizona. You know, we got a pick six and a, you know, kickoff return and a, what, you know, did we get a pump block for it? Well, they, they didn't get a touchdown against it, but, you know, but it sets up, you know, so, I mean, you t I mean, you take, you take one of those out, we still, we still win. You take two of them out, we, you know, we win convincingly. You know, and you take three out, we dominate. You know, so I mean, it, um, it's just you can't make mistakes like that and win football games. How much of a factor do you think it was in not having Norm Parker involved in the game planning and, and the I, game itself? I think eventually it's going to become a factor. Um, I mean, you just, and, and I think Coach Ferentz talked about it. it's just an extra set of eyes. It's the experience that he's had of watching films and. And you're sitting around as a staff going, hey, I think we need to do this on this, you know, set of series or, you know, on this down and distance, I really think we need to be looking at this coverage and this blitz. And, and you lose one extra set of eyes and, and knowledgeable person that can, can come up with some solutions on how to shut down a team. And, and I think over time that's going to have a factor. And as you get into the, the teams that have, you know, good offensive systems, you need to maximize the personnel you have that are breaking down films and, and, and bringing ideas and strategies to the table. All of the continuing problems on special teams, last week you talked about just continuing to work on it in practice, uh, but they seem to look worse almost across the board. There was a lot of breakdowns. As a coaching staff, what do you think they'll try to do? Well, I think, you know, one thing is, you know, we played two teams that I don't think athletically were near as good as Arizona. So, you know, that's part of the issue is it just that we're facing better athletes. And so with that, we've got to get our best 11 on the field. I mean, you know, that's the other solution is you put your best 11 athletes on the field when you're covering kicks and punts. And, and in my opinion, kickoff coverage and punt team are the two most important uh, special teams in football. Uh, you know, obviously field goal and all that stuff is important, but I mean, those things change the course of a game so fast, the momentum, the crowd, you get a punt block or you get a kickoff return back against you, they're devastating to teams. And, uh, you know, to have both of them happen in one game is just is not good. So I think you'll see personnel changes. I think you'll see guys, um, they'll, they'll, they'll actually schedule more practice time to cover those things, try to get up-tempo. The problem with getting up-tempo in special teams is it's, it's a violent part of the game, and so you, you're worried about injuries and things like that. So that's the hard part that the coaching staff faces. But I, I think you'll see... A lot of starters, you know, when I was good, they had guys like Chad Greenway covering punts and doing those types of things, and I think you'll see more of that.
Is Ball State coming into Kinnick Stadium on the heels of this Arizona loss an advantage or disadvantage? Uh, you could argue it's a prime opportunity for a letdown and upset, or you could argue that it's exactly what the doctor ordered. Well, I think a combination of both. I mean, there's a trap element to it. There's a, uh, you know, this fact that, you know, that they do get a, a technically a max school in, 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 in a game they, on paper they should win. But uh, the hardest thing about traveling west is coming home. And if you come home that night, which they did, I think they probably got home at 7, 7.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. And if they were got beat up, they got physical, if they got dehydrated, I mean, that's going to set back their week preparation by two days physically. Because I'm telling you, if you can't sleep on a plane and you haven't got any sleep and you come back Sunday morning and you're exhausted and sore and tired, you're not going to be up and running until Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, you've missed out on Monday and Tuesday at good practice time. So, you know, that being the case, they are college kids. You know, the nutrition, they have nutritionists on staff and, and they'll get the foods in them that they need and the fluids in them that they need. And, and uh, you know, hopefully it'll be enough time over Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to get them back ready to go on Saturday. Do you have any sense of the Ball State team? Are they a pretty typical uh, middle-of-the-pack MAC program? Yeah, and, and the, the big issue that you have is, is with these limited scholarships to the big Division I schools. You get kids now, you know, you used to give 99 or 105 scholarships or whatever it was, now you're down to a limited amount. And so now there's 15 to 20 kids that used to get scholarships at the Big Ten schools and now are looking for schools. Well now Miami, Ohio, Ball State uh, look attractive, you know. And, and so you're getting 20 kids that used to be Division One, you know, on the Iowa State, Kansas State roster now are going to these schools uh, and they can play, you know, and so the point is, if you look across their roster, I mean, they probably got 20 kids on there that'd be playing at Iowa in some capacity, you know, special teams or, you know, offense or defense. And, and so there's talent there. And, and anytime you play teams that have talent and guys that can play the game, you got a chance to lose a football game. So you got to make sure you take care of business. And, you know, all we got to do is look at you and I and, you know, what some of these other schools have done against the Big Ten. And, and uh, you know, and, and so we better be ready. What do you think Iowa will try to focus on in this game? Well, I mean, I, I run the football. I mean, I, you know, I think if we didn't learn anything, we, we have to run the football to be effective. And now we got to try to find where our depth at running back is. You know, it makes uh, the Uyghur situation look extremely selfish on his part. Um, you know, and there's a guy that would have added immediate depth to that position. Now he's gone. And, you know, we got three guys that haven't had a carry that are going to be in a backup position on Saturday. So, um, you know, we got to find depth at running back and we've got to get back to running the football effectively. And, and setting up our play action. Well, you talked about running the ball. What else do you expect to see in this game, and what are your keys to the game? I, I expect to see the defense get back to getting the swagger, um, you know, getting after the quarterback, getting after the back, stuffing the run, um, you know, getting to the football, getting five or six guys to the football again, and, and uh, the defense getting their swagger back and home. And then uh, offensively, you know, we've got to be a team that runs the football. If we don't run the football, I, I think we can still win with Ricky Stanzi throwing it 45, 50 times. I just don't think we're as effective. I mean, I don't think it's the way we're built. You know, running the football up front is the key to what we're trying to do offensively. Final score? You know, gosh, after last week, you know, I felt like I really knew something about football and I just never factored in kind of the deal. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I. You know, I, I expect to see a workmanlike effort. I mean, 21 to 24 point victory. Um, I don't think it's a, a, a game that will hang 60 or 70 points on them, you know, like some of the other schools are doing. But I think, you know, we'll, we'll score enough points and hopefully shut them down offensively or defensively to, you know, hold them to three or seven points and, and, you know, see a 35 to seven type game. Any other thoughts? No. Did you go cover the Arizona game? At least it had been a fun trip to go. I mean, if, you know, as a fan or as a sports person, it would have been fun to, not a fan, it wouldn't have been fun as a fan, but, um, but to, uh, you know, to be down in Arizona. And, you know, and, and, and credit to Mike Stoops. I mean, there's a guy that two, three years ago, they were probably looking to run him out of town. And now he's got him in the top, you know, 15. So I wouldn't want to coach with him or work with him. Did you see the guy? <laughs> Did you see him on the sideline? Yeah. I mean, he's intense. He was always that way, even when he was here. He's an intense guy. And, and, and obviously the Stoops, family knows a lot about uh, football, that's for sure. You see, we're on a mission from God. Going into week four of the 2009 season and the last full week of non-conference play, 
The Big Ten now has six teams ranked in the top 25 in both major polls, and that's the first time that's happened since 2006. The conference also still has six unbeaten teams. Six more Big Ten players cracked the 100-yard rushing mark last Saturday, and 10 wide receivers surpassed 100 yards in receptions, including Iowa's DJK. Four Big Ten coaches are nearing landmark conference victories. Penn State's Joe Paterno can reach 150 with a win over Temple Saturday. Ohio State's Jim Tressel is just three shy of that mark. And Indiana's Bill Lynch is also three shy of a career 100 victory mark, while Iowa's Kirk Ferentz is just five victories away from the century mark for his career. This coming Saturday may also mark the most pathetic conference ride schedule of games in history, all home games for the Big Ten teams. Besides Iowa hosting Ball State, listen to this lineup of opponents. Bowling Green, Northern Colorado, Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Temple, Toledo, and even FCS Austin Pay. It's so bad, ABC ESPN had to select the Ohio State-Eastern Michigan game as its featured Big Ten game of the week. And in that one, the Eagles, losers of 15 straight, are 42-point underdogs. There are reasons for this, money being the prime one, and many of these games will be sellouts. But this confluence should be pretty embarrassing for the conference and the individual teams. The only thing more embarrassing, of course, would be for one or more Big Ten teams actually to lose those games this weekend. Things would go from bad to worse. Minnesota, are you listening? One other note about scheduling, Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney says not to necessarily count on the conference going to a nine-game slate beginning in 2015. It could cost several Big Ten schools, including Iowa, to lose home games, and a lot of money. So it may be that we can all continue to look forward to these week non-conference games continuing indefinitely, at least until fans start refusing to pay the exorbitant ticket prices for the privilege of watching them. More season-ending injuries occurred this past week to star Big Ten players. In addition to Iowa's Jewel Hampton and Bruce Davis, Wisconsin has lost starting linebacker Chris Borland. The attrition continues. <laughs> You'd never know there's only 12,000 of them there, black and gold clad. And the Hawkeyes now an extra point from taking the lead. And what a incredible turnaround, a calamitous turnaround from an Arizona standpoint. That defensive front has come to life for the Hawkeyes. The extra point <laughs> is no good. Incredibly no good. An incredible swing of momentum seemingly on every play here in the second half. And we're knotted at 27 with 8.12 to go. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com or by calling toll-free 866 74 Hawks. Time now for our Reporters Roundtable with Pat Hardy. Again, Rob Howe is off this week. You can read Pat's articles and columns in the Iowa City Press Citizen and on Hawk Central. You can check out Rob's features at HawkeyeInsider.com. Sean Patchett talks with Pat about last week's game and this Saturday's contest. After watching the game, listening to the coaches and players, what's your opinion of why, why they struggle out West? Part of it is maybe the fact that they are making such a dramatic road trip, but I think more of it is usually when they go out West, they're playing against a pretty good team. They're, even, they're either in a bowl game or they're playing against a Pac-10 team that's usually pretty good. I mean, if you look back, it's either Arizona, Arizona State. There's been a lot of games against USC. There's been the Rose Bowls and what have you. Usually it's the level of the opponent, but I think also lots of times maybe just the fact that it is such an unusual circumstance Sounds like they come out, they, I don't want to say they've come out flat, they just come out in the self-destruct mode. They self-destructed the other night and they self-destructed against Arizona State. It's almost like they need a quarter or two to wake up and realize, okay, it is just a football game even though it's a thousand miles away. You predicted a very close Arizona victory in this game, but what surprised you about the way it happened? Just the way they, Iowa just self-destructed. I thought maybe this team would be a little bit beyond that and make Arizona earn the game more, but in fairness, Arizona self-destructed too. It was two teams that for a while there, it didn't look like either team was going to figure out a way to close out the other one, but I just thought that they would be able to run the ball a little better, 
and I thought they would just be a little more crisp in their execution. But we should know by now with Kirk Ferentz's teams, they're a work in progress, especially early in the season in September, and you just got to kind of take it week by week. And whatever, just because of what happened against Arizona, that's not going to necessarily be a statement for the rest of the season. You wrote before and after that the team and fans should not let this game define their season. No, because they got, I mean, they could go 11-1. and one. They beat Ohio State. Imagine what it's going to be like. I still believe strongly in a playoff, and I think it's unfortunately that for all intents and purposes, Iowa's now, Iowa has no chance in September of winning the national championship now. It's just pretty much done. I mean, they could go 11-1, and one and maybe if some really unusual things happen, but you'd have to have most of the teams in the SEC lose two games and what have you. And I strongly believe there should be a playoff, but there's also a chance for Iowa to win a Big Ten title in another BCS Bowl game. And even without a chance to win a national championship, that would make a lot of people happy at the end. There were a lot of angry fans after this game was over. A lot of the focus seems to be on offensive play calling and a failure to adjust quickly enough to what was going on with Arizona's defense. Yeah, I just think that's become cliche with the Iowa football team now. If they struggle at all on offense, they question the play calling. To me, that's a cop-out. Stansy threw for almost 300 yards. They couldn't run the ball. I mean, it came down to a point where there was a point there where um, they had to try to run the ball, just became mano versus mano, and they just couldn't do it. What was going on that Ricky Stanzi struggled so much and took so many sacks? Uh, pretty disappointing play for an, ex an experienced senior. And Marv also mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, there's been some rumors that he was sick during the game at all. I had heard some rumors about that, but I don't think you can use that as an excuse. He played from start to finish. He threw for almost 300 yards. The biggest mistake he made was on that last series, taking that huge sack on second down. You've got to throw the ball away. He knows that. He's a fifth-year senior. That, to me, was the game right there. That pretty way took away field position, any chance they had of sustaining that drive and trying to trying to get down there to make a chance to win. So I agree with that. I, I don't think that his physical condition had much to do with it. I think the fact that they loaded the box and Iowa wasn't able to run, that pretty much made him a sitting duck at sometimes. He did show some decent scrambling ability, but he has just got to throw the ball away in those circumstances. You can't lose field position like that. Several stories have been written that the play of the offensive line and defensive line for that matter, didn't look as bad after viewing the video as it did watching the game live? Yeah, I mean, I thought for the most part it was a draw in the trenches, but I think with so much hype surrounding this Iowa defense, to me, I think a lot of fans don't think that's acceptable right now. I think they thought the defense would come in and pretty much dictate things up front, and that didn't happen. And the defense right now is kind of playing like it did last year. It's been okay, but even Claiborne, it's still he doesn't have a sack yet. Tyler Sash doesn't have an interception yet. I mean, there's... I think the defense is still kind of not really clicking on all cylinders, so to speak, and I think that's one of the things that needs to happen. I don't think Arizona, there were times when Claiborne was single blocked and they, his man was able to handle him, and I think he'd be the first to admit that he's got to do better, and I think it'll come, but right now the defense to me is maybe a little bit behind where I think a lot of fans thought it might be. Uh, Hampton's out for the season. It's going to be Adam Robinson from here on out. What do you expect to see from him? And how much do we know about true freshman Marcus Coker and DeAndre Johnson? Well, I think DeAndre Johnson's going to, I think the goal is to keep him redshirted. I think Marcus Coker's definitely going to come out. We know nothing about him other than what he accomplished in high school. We know that because we've read it in paper. I haven't seen him play before. He was not around. He was hurt when we went to that open practice, so we didn't get to see him there. So. We know that what we, we know Adam Robinson, we know what, what you see is what you get. You're going to get a guy who will pound it between the tackles 20, 25 times a game, bounce off tacklers, get the extra yard. You just hope he can stay healthy because if he doesn't stay healthy, you've got some, you've got a true freshman Coker who's going to be really thrust into the spotlight, but they've got other options. They can, Brad Rogers is a fullback who came here as a running back. They could use him. They could use Brett Morrison, some more single back sets, but they need to keep Adam Robinson healthy. Do you think we'll see a shift in the, Play calling leans more towards passing plays. It's going to be hard to tell in this game. This is nothing against Ball State, but I don't think you're going to really see the full effect of Hampton's absence this week. I think they'll be able to control things enough to where they won't have to do deviate much from their original game plan. Down the road, instead of being a 60-40 run pass team, they may end up being 50-50 pass. And But you're still going to have Robinson, if he's healthy, carry the ball at least 20 times a game. And... If Coker shows that he can do it, I think they'd like to probably get him five or ten carries a game. They need to carry the ball between 25 and 40 times a game to really have their offense go the way they want it to. Uh, you visited with Joel Hampton. You've watched him the past couple years. How do you think he's coping with this latest setback? I just, I mean, I was amazed that he came out to talk to us after the game Saturday. He didn't have to. A lot of guys wouldn't have done that. I think he knew then that the knee was, the ACL was torn. It's just really unfortunate. And... You don't know how he's going to cope with it. You just hope that he can focus on the big picture and realize that he still has time to try to 
salvaged his career. Albert Young went through some similar circumstances. A lot of running backs have torn their ACLs. It's not the point where when you tear the ACL, you realize, you say to yourself, wow, I'll never be the same again. That's not the point. It's just the lost opportunities. I mean, he's going to basically miss one of his years unless he can appeal for a six year. But I just think Jewel wants to get playing, and this is going to be two years now away from the game. That's what's going to be tough about it. He's just got to stay focused. Brent seemed pretty subdued at his Tuesday presser. How do you think he and his staff will approach the Ball State game and try to avoid a letdown after no the different, loss? No different than they do any other game. That's why I think there won't be much of a letdown. And I don't like I said, Ball State's a spunky little team with some good skill players, but even if Iowa does not play 100%, they should still be able to win this game. So I don't think it's going to be a true indication, but the beauty of Coach Ferentz is that he treats Ball State like he treats all the other games, at least for the most part. He seems to be a guy who truly is focused on what's just ahead of him. How do you think they're going to approach correcting the special team's deficiencies at this point? They just got to practice and execute. There's really no other way to do it. You got to find the right people, identify them, put them in there, and just hope that they can execute and make the plays when they happen. But at some point, there's nothing Ferentz and the coaches can do on the sideline when the, when the kick's off. Those guys need to run down there. They need to stay in their lanes, do their assignments, shed blocks, and make tackles. And there's only so much coaching can do. Who are your two or three key players for the Hawks on Saturday? For this, the Ball State game? Um, of course, Adam Robinson. And I'm going to say Marcus Coker if he gets in. They need somehow to identify another running back besides Adam Robinson. They've got Packy O'Mara, but he's hurt this week, it looks like. But I think fans would like to see more than that, too. I think if they could find another, if Coker could come out and show them that he can do play at this level, I think that would be reassuring to fans and to the coaches and what have you. Then on defense, I'm going to say Claiborne. It'd be nice to get him going and just to see him get a sack and see the fans and all his teammates feed off that. For fans watching this game, who should they pay attention to on the Ball State team? McQuail Lewis and Eric, I believe it's Eric Williams, the kick returner. He's seventh in the country in kick returning. And as we know, Iowa leaves much to be desired in that department. And McQuail Lewis, I think that's how you pronounce it, has a chance. He's like 500 yards away from being the school's all-time leading rusher. He's got over 3,000 yards, very athletic. So they do have some good skill players on this team. What do you expect to see in this game? And what are your keys to the game? And then a final score prediction. I, turnovers are always a key. I think it'll be interesting to see if Iowa can come out and just run the ball consistently with Robinson and mix Coker in there and not really have much of a drop off with that. If they can do that, everything will be fine. I think you'll mix in the pass. I think the tight end will catch a few passes. I think you may see some guys besides Darrell get involved in the offense too. I had a feeling Darrell Johnson Koulianos was going to be a factor against Arizona because he's the best on the team at creating space and separation and that's what they needed against a fast team like Arizona. Against Ball State, I don't think that'll be as big a factor. I think more guys, it'd be nice to see Keenan Davis catch a pass maybe. CJ Fedorowicz, the freshman tight end. It'd be nice to see more guys involved. Keep Adam Robinson healthy and my score is 38-10. Chancho, when you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. He's for fun. HawkeyesMike.com. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Just call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Also, visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, the latest Hawkeye and Big Ten videos, and team schedules. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget, you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. Also, be sure to check out all the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs on Hawk Central, Hawkeye Insider, and in the Daily Iowan. All part of God's great plan. Well, let's talk about Iowa for a second. They may not win this football game, but they still have the Big Ten. And next week, Cal comes to town for Arizona. They start the Pac-10. So as big as this game is, maybe from a national perspective, it's still a non-conference game. And they both have conference championships to play for. But you're right. I mean, this is a big statement late at night for the Pac-10. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefens Botanicals Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. 
and by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa plays host to MACFO Ball State this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium, hoping to avoid any letdown following the loss to Arizona in its last tune-up before Big Ten Conference play starts next weekend against Penn State. The Hawks will be wearing throwback jerseys in honor of Forrest Evashevsky's Big Ten and Rose Bowl champion teams. This is only the second game in the series. Iowa won 56-zip in its 2005 season opener. Ball State is 1-2 on the year, including a loss at home to FCS foe Liberty. Head coach Stan Parrish is in his second year and 14th overall as a college head coach. His overall record is 60-54-3. He's 3-13 at Ball State. The Hawks need to show considerable improvement in special teams play, which was a disaster last week. The offensive line needs to play much better. The running game needs to get on tracked, and the defense needs to reassert itself. All of that is certainly possible against the Cardinals, and they will have to do this with only one experienced running back left, Adam Robinson. Fans should get their first look at one of their prized recruits, freshman Marcus Coker, as Robinson's primary backup. Ball State is a fairly young team that features a multiple offense, mixed in with some zone read, and are now utilizing alternating quarterbacks. True freshman Keith Wunning, who is completing over 61% of his passes, and Kelly Page, who started the first seven games last year before suffering an injury. The Cardinals use three different running backs. Against Purdue, Ball State also lost its best offensive lineman, Cam Lowry, to a season-ending knee injury. On defense, the Cardinals' best player is, without a doubt, junior safety Sean Baker, who leads them in tackles, and he has 13 career interceptions. Baker also has been spectacular through the first three games this year with a blocked kick, a forced fumble, a sack, two tackles for loss, and three interceptions. The Cardinals have also had place-kicking problems, especially on longer field goals. Ball State coach Stan Perry says his team has to play its A-plus game to have a chance. That's something they have not been able to do historically in games against big-time opponents. Ball State's overall record against teams from BCS conferences is 1-45, including last week's 24-13 loss at Purdue. The good news for David Letterman's alma mater, Ball State will be paid $800,000 by Iowa to play this game on Saturday. The Hawks really need to click on all cylinders this weekend and avoid any hangover from last Saturday. There were really no valid excuses for last week's loss to Arizona. There certainly would be none whatsoever in this week's game. Clean up last week's mistakes, avoid injuries, take care of business, get more playing time for the reserves, and then move on to preparations for Big Ten Conference play. Arizona defeats Iowa, and the Pac-10 gets a win against the Big Ten. What a game by that quarterback, Nick Foles, who responded when it counted most, and the defense with four straight sacks to punctuate the victory. Once again, our final score, the Wildcats improved to 3-0 with a 34-27 win over Iowa, who falls to 2-1. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week. Once again, another nice job of capturing the excitement of Iowa football. And thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook, Pat Hardy, and Sean Patchett. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate. By phoning and making your own voice heard, call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on Hawkeyes Mike. Mike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.